Psalm 23, beginning in verse number 1. We'll read through the psalm, and then I'll do as I have so often done whenever he's been in my presence. I'll ask Joshua to pray for me. Psalm 23, beginning in verse number 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Josh. Amen. You may be seated. Um, Joshua, having just said that, makes me remember what Brother JT said already this morning. Well, let me just say, first of all, brother, that you're talking about us being a blessing to you and uh, you being glad to have a place. We're all glad to have a place, certainly, but you've been a blessing to us. We're thankful uh, for you. Um, I'm not good with praise. And so Brother JT talking about me this morning, I always want to hang my head, you know, and even Joshua praying and saying, what he, you know, that I've taught him things over the years. I mean, that's, we know that's the Lord. Um, anytime anybody tries to praise me, you've probably noticed I uh, almost immediately try to deflect that praise uh, because it, it's, it, we all know it's, I understand your sentiment. It all comes from yeah. Right, right. It does, it does stem from that. Uh, not worthy to unbuckle the latchet of his shoes, right? Um, but the Lord has done it all. Um, and so even this morning, thinking about what the brother JT said, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, don't lead us from this place. You know, we, we, um, we want the Lord to be with us. Even, even this morning, I'm asking the Lord to be with me, uh, not to get through six verses of scripture, but to be of any benefit, any profit, uh, to you that I can be any encouragement, you know, that I can be. I'm not standing up here for me. I'm, I'm standing up here for you. I'm standing up here for the Lord. Um, so we said last week in regards to sheep that they're not the brightest animal in the barnyard. Um, I don't. I know Sister Carolyn mentioned that she had maybe one uh, sheep at one time. Not any of us here, Lord. Did y'all grow up with sheep? No. Okay. Um, I, I've been around Josh most of his life, and I know he didn't have any, at least not when I was around, and I was around a lot. But um, the Lord compares us to sheep, right? 
Um, and though we may not have much experience with tending to sheep, we know ourselves. We know ourselves what we're like. We know our tendency to behave like the sheep that are described in Scripture. And we know that we're that way. Um, again, springboarding off of something that Brother JT already said, and I, I had this here in my notes. He was talking about the person who gives us the greatest problem or trouble is ourselves. You know, um, I read this. C.S. Lewis said that there was one sheep in his congregation that gave him more trouble than any other. It was him. You know, it was him. So sheep will wander off. They will fall into crevices. Um, they can be led to a green pasture and wander off somewhere else. Um, they can fall off a cliff. They'll eat poisonous or noxious weeds. Um, they're liable to come into all sorts of dangers. Uh, like we said, they, they have flat teeth. They don't have sharp teeth. Um, you know, they got hooves. They don't have claws. Um, they're prey for wild animals. There's not really anything that they make themselves uh, or can, that they themselves would make a prey except themselves. I think about scripture talking about why do you bite and devour one another? Um, we're called to love one another. We're called to build one another up. We're called to encourage one another. But yet uh, sheep, though they don't have fangs and claws, can, can bite on one another. Uh, can't they? So there's all sorts of dangers that we face as sheep, but we're thankful that we have a shepherd. Not just a shepherd, we have the good shepherd. Not just the good shepherd, we have the great shepherd of the sheep. Oftentimes we find ourselves in danger, and he has said that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Like I told you last week, the shepherd's job was a 24-hour job. He was out there. He slept with the sheep. He ate with the sheep. Um, told you about the incident that I read about in 2006 in Turkey where the shepherds had decided to go off and have breakfast on their own. And next thing you know, 1,500 sheep walked off of a cliff. And they all would have died except 450 that died first, softened the blow of the remaining sheep that fell. So... As we think about this psalm and we think about how oftentimes it's, it's used, you know, in, in obituaries and at funerals and things, but it's not just for the dead, it's for the living, you know, but it does speak of dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Um, what is your hope? The valley of the shadow of death and, 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 and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is your hope of heaven? Did anybody, did anybody listen to that, to that um, testimony of Justin Peters that I'd sent out? Wasn't that remarkable? Um, you know, for so many years, he, he would go and watch Benny Hinn, and he'd come back to the church, and he'd tell the church what was wrong with that, and it wasn't until the Lord saved him, he didn't know that he didn't know the Lord. Um, it was pretty remarkable. Some people yesterday that I was with, they were... They were repeating what you say so often, Sister Joyce, let me not be deceived. Um, so what's your hope of heaven? I mean, if you were standing before the gates of heaven this morning, as it's so often pictured, um, we know that's not really the reality. But if that were, you know, what would, what would your answer be 
if you were asked, why should you be let in here? You know, speaking of things that we've seen on YouTube, did you see that sort of thing? Alistair Begg, was, one time he was talking about the thief on the cross. And the Lord said to him, today you're going to be with me in paradise, right? And he, he poses this, this sort of back and forth between that thief and the angels. And the angel is saying, well, who told you that you could come here? And he said, the man on the cross beside me said I could be here. You know, so what's your hope of heaven? If it's not Christ and Christ alone, you have a false hope. You have a false hope. If you would say that it's because of something that you've done, wrong answer. If you say it's because of what Christ has done for me, that's that's not just the right answer. People can give the right answer. If that's not a reality in your life, uh, then, then you don't know the Lord. Um, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Is there an ongoing reality? I mean, here's a shepherd, and the shepherd leads the sheep. Is there an ongoing reality of the Lord's leading you in your life? Do you do what you do for his glory? Are you doing it for some other reason? Are you doing it for the praise of men? I mean, what, what's the motive behind the decisions that you make? Is it, Lord, I want to do this for your glory, even if it's the hard thing. Brother JT was talking about a hard thing. Or, no, Cohen was praying about a hard thing, maybe it was. Somebody said something about a hard thing. That you would do the hard thing because it would bring glory to God. It's not the easy thing. It's not the thing that would appease the flesh. But it's the thing that would glorify God. It's the thing that would please him. It's the thing that would praise him and bring him honor and bring him glory. So like we said last week, this psalm doesn't apply to everyone. The world would like to pick and choose things out of scripture. And they might like this idea. But this psalm does not apply to everyone my question is, does it apply to you? Does it apply to you? If you're his, then you know his voice and you follow what is called. If you're his, then you know the reality of the need that we have for Christ to be our shepherd, for him to be our great shepherd who meets our every need, who gives us our daily bread and delivers us from evil. I'm thinking I forgot, and I apologize, not everyone um, here this morning I have in my, in my contacts, but I, I forgot this morning to send out the uh, verses of Scripture. Did anybody that uses those, did you just get them? Okay, all right. And Sister Pat, I printed it, and it's sitting on the printer upstairs at the house. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> Um, so we have a great need for the Lord to be our shepherd. We have a great need for him to deliver us from evil. Um, God gives us abiding peace for those who abide in him. If you abide in Christ, you have an abiding peace. You have an abiding rest. You listen to what the psalmist says here. Yea, though he walks, I'm getting ahead of myself some, but yea, though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. What does he say next? I will fear no evil. Why? There's an abiding presence. There's an abiding presence of Christ 
There's a abiding presence of the Lord as our shepherd with us. And therefore, when we walk through difficult places, we go into difficult circumstances, we have that comfort. Uh, we, we know we're about to face something tomorrow, maybe. And we're already praying because we know who to go to. We know who to bring this care unto, who has told us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. And so we have that comfort of knowing that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that he's with us, that, that he doesn't abandon us like, like those under shepherds when the wolf came and they would flee, that when trouble comes, the Lord doesn't abandon us. I was, I was, your dad sent me something this week, Josh, on friendship. I don't know if he sent the same thing out to you or not, but okay. Uh, well, there, Austin is interviewing MacArthur at one point, but the beginning of it talks about the friendship between R.C. Sproul and, and John MacArthur. But he goes on and talk about friendship, and he talked about that when things get difficult, that's when you really find out who your friends are. You know, the ones, the ones that don't want to get involved in the messy stuff and the sticky stuff. And then the stuff that might get stuck to them because of the association they have with somebody and because of the stand they're taking with them. A lot of people just want to run away. Uh, they don't want to get involved in that. But the f person who's a real friend, you know, will stand beside you and they will help shoulder that burden. And then, of course, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, right? Um, the Lord, even if everybody else abandoned us, because it could happen, couldn't it? It could happen. Everybody could abandon us. But if they did, the Lord's still with us. We're not alone. Um, you know, Paul says, there was a point at which no man stood with me. But the Lord did. The Lord stood with him. Well, that was kind of, I don't want to spend too much time on the first two verses, but that's kind of what we've looked at already. Verse number three, we have this idea of our souls being restored. Now we kind of have an idea of what, what restoration, you know, is like. Um, I mean, we, we, we've, beyond restoration, I mean, we have a new heart. I mean, we are a new creature in Christ, a uh, new creation. Uh, so we're, all things have become new unto us. I mean, Brother JT saying, people, how could you read this and not understand it? You got to have the eyes to be able to see it. We have new eyes. You got to have ears to be, we have new ears. You got to have a heart to be able to, 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 to believe it and to hold on to it, to trust in it to, and to obey it. And he's given us a new heart. And then you've got this idea of our minds. So we, that's all those things have been done to us, but you got this idea of our minds being renewed, Right. Our minds being renewed. The Spirit's continually bringing things to our remembrance. We do things, say things, think things that we ought not. And the Lord immediately puts his finger on it. He doesn't just let us go, you know, in those things. He, he, he's going to convict us of those things. Um, and we confess those things. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? Um, but... He's, he restores our soul and he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He has taken you for his possession. You belong unto him. I mean, how do you take care of your things? When we were kids, we might not have taken care of things as well. You know, I, I wasn't like Teresa. 
whenever I met her in high school, she still had things from her childhood that were still in their original boxes. And the corners of them weren't torn and taped back together. And I mean, she, she took care. You know, I, I wasn't like that. You know, but now that I have to <clears throat> work, you know, for the things that it's not just something given to you and you can tear it up, it doesn't matter. You know, but now you're having to work for it. And, and and that sweat of the brow that Brother JT was talking about, you had to spend, you know, to gain the, the, the money to be able to purchase it. And now, now you want to take care of it. Um, I got into the habit of changing my oil at th- every 3,000 miles when I was using conventional oil. I'm still doing that with synthetic oil. And it doesn't need to be changed that soon. But maybe it might last longer, you know. It might last longer if, if, if I do. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I may be dumping that oil, and it's perfectly fine. You know, it could go twice that long. You know, I don't know. But we take care. You know, we want to take care of the things. I mean, we care for our children. Um, certainly, don't we? I mean, precious, you know, they are in our sight. We care for them. Um, and, and, it, and it helps us to understand somewhat the Lord's care for us, doesn't it? And our spouses care for us. I mean, believe me, the little things, Josh, are important. You know, I, I don't know if I told you what I was told before I got married. Tell her you love her every day. Make sure you kiss her every day and make sure you do something nice for her every single day. And I'm sure that Laura would think, Washing the dishes would be a very nice thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a new set of earrings, you know, or something like that. You know, it could be something really simple, can it? Uh, like Danny sweeping the floor yesterday. I, I said something to him. I said, your mom's in that. She went through all this, and, and I, I think she'd like for you to sweep the floor. He went in there and swept the floor. His mom appreciated that, you know. Um, yes. That, well, it... It certainly counts for something. I mean, I, I wouldn't have gone through all the trouble you've gone through, Brother Donnie, with the dishwasher you have. But um, he's, he's just, he's, 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 I guess you probably learned more about dishwashers than you knew before, uh, certainly. But he was telling me yesterday, he said, everything works. He's memorized everything. <laughs> it's just not working in the right sequence. <laughs> um, so it, 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 you'll either get there or you'll give up and buy a new one. I don't know. Um, but um, I'm sure Delina appreciates the effort. Yeah. Um, so, and any time that Cohen wants to come and wash the dishes because the dishwasher's not working, I mean, uh, I've, I've washed a lot of dishes in my life. Um, we had a dishwasher, and, you know, I washed the dishes in the sink, but he restores. I'm sorry, sister? We were the dishwashers, yes. Um, but he, he leads us in paths of righteousness. For his namesake. I mean, that's the point that I'm trying to make in, in these things that we do for one another. You know, whether it's those things that I've already talked about or Sister Pat calls me and say, hey, there's something wrong with my refrigerator. And I'm like, great. Hey, let's go look at it and see what, you know, we can figure out. I'm not a refrigerator repair person. I may have to call Donnie. He's already got some experience with dishwashers. Maybe he knows something about refrigerators. But thankfully, it wasn't anything serious. But, but here's the thing. I mean, we know what that is like, care for one another. I mean, Sister Provy sent me a text last night. She was like, thank you, you know, for coming. Thanks for being there. Thanks for supporting, you know, thanks for helping. I'm like, give the Lord the glory because otherwise I wouldn't have cared. You know, I didn't say that part, but it's true. I mean, we wouldn't care about one another. I mean, how many different walks of life have we all come from? 
Uh, how would how would this group of people being thrown together, uh, you know, care about one another apart from Christ? Uh, we 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 wouldn't. But but he leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake because we belong unto Him. I mean, if He's given His only begotten Son for us, what will He not give? I mean, what would God not do, having done that? What will He not give, having given that? Um, but He restores our soul. You know, if we find ourselves, we sang about it in that, in that psalm that we sang, if we find ourselves wandering off, and here's his paths of righteousness, so this is the right path, but we find ourselves over here. I mean, I know you all understand and know that Pilgrim's Progress is one of my favorite books. Did Christian ever stray from the path? Yes, he did. Was he not instructed in the very beginning what path he was supposed to stay on? I mean, keep your eye on the light. You know, it's a straight, well, it's a straight path. Um, you know, but well, this, this fence here goes right along this rough road we're on, and that's got some nice green grass, and it's soft over there. I think we ought to jump over and, and walk this way for a while. And little by little, it turned out of the way. And where did he find himself? Hmm, the wrong place. But... Shalom, you were, you were answering some of that. So he, at first, a flood comes and washes him into, you know, uh, or they have to find a shelter, um, you know, but who comes the next morning while they're still asleep? Checking his grounds. Giant. Despair, yes. Yeah, and he finds himself in what castle? Yeah, Doubting Castle, yeah. And he's locked up until he remembers that he has the key of what? Promise. Yeah, yeah. And, and his companion says to him, you know, well, will it work? He says, let's put all of our weight up on it. Won't it break? Well, if it does, what hope do we have? I mean, if God's promises could break under pressure, what hope? I've read it a lot more times, Shalom. So, you you you've got you've got a long you know you can you can read it a lot more times. I had an uncle that read it once every year. I guess that's where I got my affinity for it. I'm not sure, <clears throat> but I see something more every time I do read it that I didn't see before. And John Bunyan didn't get smarter. I went through some things that I can now understand something that I couldn't understand before. Right. So he restores our soul. Brother J.T. took us to Jeremiah 31, 9. They shall come with weeping and with supplications will I lead them. I was thinking about this verse when he was reading, you know, that I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way. So he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Why? Because we all like sheep have gone astray. Every one turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, Psalm 116, verse number 8 says, Thou hast delivered my soul from death. I mean, he's led me in a way that's delivered me from death. Mine eyes from tears, my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, I heard that sheep can, I don't know if I said this last week, sometimes I have, a, I have a chance to go back and torture myself and listen to what I preached, to know what I said and what I didn't say. 
Um, but I don't think that I did that this week. But did I tell you about the sheep and their fleece? And it can get so thick that they can, they can lay into an, an impression in the ground and roll over to kind of stretch their legs out. And the next thing you know, they can't get up. Yeah, they're on there. And then, well, let me read this. I, I told you about the, the book about the pastor that was a shepherd before he became a pastor. And he says, his name's Philip Keller, but he says this. He says, that's called a cast sheep. What happens is this, he says, a heavy, fat, or long-fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground. It may roll on its side slightly to stretch out or relax. Suddenly, the center of gravity in the body shifts so that it turns on its back far enough that the feet can no longer touch the ground. It may feel a sense of panic and start to paw frantically. Frequently, this only makes things worse. It rolls over even further. Now it is quite impossible for it to regain its feet. In this position, gases build up in the body, cutting off circulation to the legs, and often it is only a matter of a few hours before the sheep dies. The only one who can restore the sheep to health is the shepherd. And so sometimes, you know, we're like cast sheep, right? We're spiritually on our backs, and we can't gain our footing uh, as it were, we're quite helpless, but then the Lord comes to us in this condition and restores us. He sets us where we ought to be. Um, you know, what, what was Christian told? Go back to the place where you left the path. Get back on the right path again. Um, think about Peter denied the Lord three times. Did the Lord restore him? He did. He did. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? A third time he asked him, Peter, do you love me? <clears throat> Peter's grieved. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. He restores him. You know, he doesn't say at that point, he didn't say, you denied me three times. I don't believe you that you love me. Even though you said it three times, you're out. You know, I'm kicking you to the curb. I'm done with you. No, he restores our soul. He restores us again and again, and again, and again, over and over and over again. No wonder Peter could say in 1 Peter 2.25, For ye were as sheep going astray. He knew something about that. But are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He saved us, justifies, sanctifies us, will glorify us. He's restoring our soul reviving us, strengthening us, comforting us, providing for us, assuring us, restoring us when we have gone astray. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. That's incredible to even think about, isn't it? The high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I was listening to that thing on friendship, I think it was, and... And they had a clip in there. Uh, you know, one of the studies that R.C. Sproul did that's probably more well-known than any other is on holiness. And he talks about the Bible doesn't say that God's love, love, love. But he says that the Bible does say that God is holy, holy, holy. Whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. You think you might get humbled a little bit if you're spiritually on your back and can't right yourself? Have we not been in situations where things were too much for us 
and we've just said, Lord, I'm going to humble myself under your mighty hand, just like your word says, and I'm going to wait for you to exalt me in due time, to restore me in due time with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive. Now, that's kind of like that restoration, isn't it? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. He leadeth me, O oh, blessed thought, O oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis his hand that leadeth me. Causes, causes me to walk in his stat. I will be their God, and they will be my people. There's, there's, there's no maybe about it. We belong to, we're going to be. We are going to walk the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He's going to make sure of it by his grace that we heard about it this morning. <clears throat> we are under the reign of grace. Anybody ever read that book? I think it was... Abraham Booth, The Reign of Grace. I've got it on my shelf. It's one of those, Donnie, that, you know, is there. One day I'm going to read it. Uh, I've, somebody said, this is a good book. I bought it. And it, just haven't had time to read it. But we're under the reign of grace. We need to be led, don't we? Don't you want to be? I want to be led. Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. Lord, direct me. Lord, keep me. Um, if any of you really know me and, and and this portion of me you would have to be in a vehicle and we'd have to be going somewhere and you would begin to understand you would have some of the experiences Teresa has had uh, I fall asleep in the car a lot and so you know I'm 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 not the best person to ask to drive but you know I've gotten better over the years and 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 I, I drive a little more you know than I used to <clears throat> but there's been times that Teresa has driven. We pulled into a convenience store, and, and she's thought, okay, I'm going to rest now. And because and, and, and I've asked her, you want me to drive? Sure, go ahead and drive. Get in the car. I've told some of you this before. And what did I do when I come out of the parking lot? Turn the direction we came from. And we took a two-hour detour. You know, yeah, two hours. Um, you can see why she doesn't want me to drive. You know, especially on long trips. I can make them longer. Uh, but my point is sheep don't have a great sense of direction. <coughs> They don't have a great sense of direction. We can find ourselves easily lost. I can remember the Conrad talking about before camp, and you've probably heard this before, Josh, talking about before all sorts of things would be happening, going, you know, what we would consider to be wrong. And why are all these things happening? And all of a sudden, he would say, it was dawn on him, why am I not praying about this? And we find our, we all find ourselves in the same position, don't we? I mean, things are happening. Things are going what we would consider wrong. And all of a sudden, we're like, why am I not praying about this? You know, why am I fighting this thing and struggling against this thing, you know, in the flesh, in my own strength, in my own resources? Why am I not going to the Lord about this? And the very set of circumstances that we found ourselves in, the blessed thing about it is it brought us to the place where we realized I need to call upon the Lord. And that's exactly, you know, what it did for us. Uh, but we easily go astray. We easily wonder. And the shepherd must continually guide us. And doesn't the spirit do that? Doesn't the spirit lead us and guide us and bring things to our remembrance and help us? Um, even when we sin, the Lord 
brings us back again into the fold, doesn't he? Uh, when, we, when we are faithless, he, he abides and remains faithful, doesn't he? Um, it's not, aren't you glad it's not dependent upon your faith? I mean, this is only going to get done if you have enough strength of faith. Uh, I'm sure glad that's not the case. Lord, help. That, that's a really short, often prayed prayer of mine. Lord, help. Lord, help. Uh, we are humbled. We need to be humbled. We look unto him. That's where we must look. We must abide in the vine. We are only branches. What can we do? Unless we're abiding in the vine. <clears throat> but yea, David says in verse number four, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So David's presenting the shepherd as being able to protect his sheep even in the greatest moments of danger. I mean, the most severe set of circumstances. The shepherd is there and the shepherd is able <clears throat> to help us, deliver us, protect us, uh, keep us even, restore us. You know, we've already said, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, David says, I will fear no evil. I mean, there's, we're walking through a dangerous place. It has the shadow of death. I mean, it looks like this could end in death. It looks like this could be the end of me. Yet I will fear no evil for you. Aren't you comforted that even in death? I mean, the one who's in control of that set of circumstances is the Lord himself. The day of my death. The Lord has that. It's already set. I don't know it, but he does. But I have the comfort of knowing that when I come to meet that day, that I don't need to fear it. I mean, I, 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 I want the Lord to give me the grace to be able to embrace it. You know, I want, I want to die the death of the righteous. I want to die the death of some of those who have, that have died before me have died. I mean, men who've held them, their hands up in the flames as they were martyred. That is, not, that is not humanistically possible. We don't have that kind of, of, of ability. That's the grace of God. Uh, to continue as they, as they stood there and the stacks of wood were being put around and they're, they're still at that point shepherding the flock. They're still, they're still encouraging the flock, even from that place. And some men that would say, you don't need to bind me to the stake. I'll not flee. If this is the place the Lord has intended for me to meet my end, I'll stand. That, how, could, how, could we, how could you humanly do that? Physically do that? Stand in the flame and not jump out when it got hot? How many times have we touched the stove? And, and drew our hand back, you know, very quickly, you know, or the fireplace, you know, put another log on the fire, you know, it's so hot, couldn't stand it. Um, this is the, the grace and the strength and the ability that, that God gives. Um, but David presents the shepherd here as one who is with us. Why is he not afraid? Because he's with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He is with me. He triumphed over the devil. He made an open show, the scripture says. He led captivity captive. 
He takes pleasure in causing us to triumph. He takes pleasure in causing us to be victorious. You know what? It makes a further open show of the devil. Case in point, Job. I can't touch him. You've got this hedge about him. I'll fear no evil. You're with me. You know, here Job was. There was this hedge about him. What did he have to fear? You know, God was, God's there with him. And even after all the things that the devil said that Job was serving God for were taken away, still he worships. If the Lord's chosen to not have these things anymore, blessed be the name of the Lord. Um, did you hear what Brother JT was saying this morning when he was talking about, you know, some people have been given riches <clears throat> and it's completely ruined them. And how thankful he was. You know, he's, this whole idea of being thankful is on our minds right now because it's Thanksgiving, you know, week. Uh, and, but he's talking about how thankful he was that the Lord, you know, has given him what he's needed. Kept us in that place. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but feed me with the food that is convenient for me, right? For it is God, Philippians 2.13 says, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. How about this? And talking about the triumph aspect. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like leading us in, in paths of righteousness for his namesake? And David's talking about this valley of the shadow of death. How many things are there around us continually? I mean, we went through 2020, and we found out about this little bitty, tiny, microscopic sort of thing that can invade the body, and it was killing people. It was, a, it was attacking weak places, hearts, lungs, uh, different places that people didn't know they had, you know, a problem. Not, not that the flu and things like that hadn't done it before, but it's more upon our minds, I know. But there's invisible things is my point. Invisible microscopic things that could end your life quickly. How often has God kept us from such dangers? Not just, yeah, just driving home. We're, we're passing people at, at 55, 65, 75 miles an hour. Um, you know, I didn't enjoy math, but I remember them. You know, they had one of those 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 crash things. You know, you get into and it simulated a thirty mile per hour, mile per hour head on collision. You know, but when it when when two thirty mile per hour objects meet, that's like a sixty mile an hour you know collision. Um, so yeah, we every day, what could happen to us? I'm I'm walking out on a job site right now where most of the welding's been done, but but there were beams that were being lifted. You know, by 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 these these lifts that weighed twelve hundred pounds. You know, that, that thing could fall and kill somebody. Uh, I, I've I've seen men this week, you know, standing on top of you know this structure, you know, just walking across that I beam, no safety harness, you know, um, and stand up there all day long. You know, um, what could happen to us every day? And then Dad and I saw them build a, they, we have a lift over here for them to use, and they were like, well, we've got enough guys, we could, we, these are subcontractors, these aren't our guys, we've got enough guys, you know, we could build a scaffold over here. And you see this, this tube of six, 
you know, and it's going out here into the air and it's supported on the other end by a two before. And they're walking on this thing, you know. Uh, you know, what could happen to us every day? I mean, you think about some of the stories Brother JT's told about those high-rise buildings down there in Houston that he was a part of building. And things would fall from those heights. And if they were to hit a man, they would just kill him instantly. Instantly. Um, so this valley of the shadow of death, you think about in David's circumstances, there's lions and bears. And I told you last week how I've told the girls on the farm, you know, like there's things out there in the woods that are watching you. All, all the time that you're out there, they're watching you. The devil's watching. He's, he's, he's a, a roaring lion. He's roaming about seeking whom he may devour. He's watching continuously. He's watching. But the Lord is very near in times of trouble. What's going to touch you that he doesn't allow? And if he allows it, it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. It's for our good if he permits it. It's not what we tend to think about as good, but it's what God calls good. Causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. You know, we want to think about green pastures, don't we? Oh, if I could just abide in green pastures all the time. If I, if I could just be beside the still waters all the time. If I didn't have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, things would be so much better. If, wrong. And we have the green pastures, we have the mountaintop experiences, but there's valleys that we've got to, it's necessary, it's needful for us to go through that valley. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He was, he's talking to the Corinthians about trouble that came up upon them in Asia. He says, so much that they were pressed out of measure. This is the valley of the shadow of death. <clears throat> Above strength, insomuch that they despaired even of life. And it says that he's, Paul says they had the sentence of death upon them. It was such that they had nothing to cling to but unto God who raises the dead. Who raises the dead. How many times has God raised you? How many times has God righted you? How many times has God restored you? I mean, I was thinking about these things, and I was thinking back conversations that, that, that Donnie and I had, you know, when, when, when you were so sick, you thought you were going to die. Well, we could have in those places. I've been so sick, Danny, that I've said, Lord, just take me. Yeah, that's a foolish thing to say, but I was so sick, I just like, it'd be better just not even to exist anymore. You know, I'm I'm sure, you know, Job got to that place, didn't he? He talked about they wished he'd never been born. Um, So they had the sentence of death upon themselves. They had nothing to cling to but in God which raiseth the dead. Listen to what F.B. Meyer says of this passage that I just read there in in, um, 2 Corinthians. He says, all of our mercies emanate from the Father's heart. All of our comfort comes from the Comforter. When next passing through great sorrow and trial, notice how near God comes. Either through persecution or through severe illness, Paul had been brought, he says, to the gates of death. His recovery was little less than a miracle. But throughout, his, throughout it, he says, his trust never wavered. So he goes on to say, he says, dare to believe like Paul. That God has delivered, 
He's delivered us in the past, that God does deliver, and that he will deliver. Past, present, and coming deliverances is what he's talking about. And he says they blend together in this, in this verse. We have the sentence of death in ourselves, but we, 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 we're clinging unto God who raises the dead. You know, it makes me think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, really. I mean, they told Nebuchadnezzar, whether the Lord delivers us or not, we're not going to bow down. We know the Lord can. We, we know that he might not. Whatever he does, he's still God, and what he does is right. You know, and so we're going to walk this path of righteousness that he set before us, that he's leading us in, and we're not going to bow down and worship this idol. Um, so what he's doing, what he's done, what he will do, all for our good, even if we have the sentence of death in ourselves. Uh, I'm, I'm not desiring that. Um, I'm not praying and asking that God would, would put me in that position. I, I, I shrink from that even now. Uh, but if I ever am in that position, Lord, give me grace to be able to do the thing that you called me to do, even if it's to die. Um, I mean, how short, whatever pain that would be, how short by comparison to the pleasures at his right hand, which are forevermore, to being in his presence. So you think about the place, I'm not going to get through this. You think about the place that David spent, unless I skip over things that I was going to say. Um, you think about the place that David spent before he became king, before he was crowned king. I mean, he was out in the wilderness. He was in a dry and thirsty land, you know, a parched place, and God provided uh, you think about the children of Israel and the Exodus. They were in the same sort of condition, and God provided. Um, you know, all David did, you know, was good to Saul, and yet he was persecuted, and he was chased, and he had the sentence of death, you know, upon him continually. So that you get to the thought, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself, I know, but you get to the thought of this goodness and this mercy following us i mean it, it, it's not a future event though it is a future event too it's a present event but it's also a past event this goodness and mercy have been following us i mean brother jt before we came to know the lord he'd already marked us out for himself and this goodness and mercy was following us how many stupid things did we do donnie we did some stupid stuff as kids you know I mean, how many times did I jump off a house that I could have died, you know? How many times did I jump over something with my bike? I could have died. Uh, but goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. It, it will continue to follow. It's, 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 it's a pursuit. I mean, Spurgeon puts it in terms of these two guards that are following you. One named goodness and one named mercy following you all the day it's god's goodness and it's god's mercy following you all the days it's 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 romans eight twenty eight, god causing all things to work together for good it's following you all the days of your life i mean everything it's always there the goodness and mercy of god think about how bad jezebel wanted to kill elijah god's goodness and mercy following him there he was by the brook ravens bringing him food until the brook dried up, and then where did he go? He went to the widow woman, didn't he? You know, and said, make me a cake. We've only got enough flour 
to feed myself and my, my son, and we're going to die. I mean, at one point, if you go and read the account, I think, what is that in, in uh, is it First Kings 17? I think that may be right. I've got it written down. Um, but anyway, go read the account in First Kings 17. You'll see at one point, she says that they're gathering two sticks to build a fire with so that they can make their last meal. The shadow of death was upon them. They thought it was the end. They didn't think they were going to live to see another meal. And what happens? In the preservation of Elijah, the widow woman and her son were also preserved. And the barrel of meal did not fail. And the cruise of oil did not fail. you imagine her going to that barrel every day? Going to that, that, that container of oil every day? And there it was, again and again and again and again, over and over. The Lord provided. I mean, the Christian's life is far from being without trouble, isn't it? And I don't understand how people think that, that, you know, if I become a Christian, all my troubles are over. No, they're just starting, you know. Um, but here's the thing. In all of that trouble, it's David's statement Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. Because God is with me. I mean, Saul was seeking to kill David. Jezebel was seeking to kill Elijah. God was with them. Lions and bears are seeking the flock. God is with us. We're out in the wilderness and it's barren, a wasteland. There's nothing here. How are we going to eat? The Lord's with us. The Lord will provide his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He protects, he guards, he guides, he provides, he prepares a table, verse number five says, even in the presence of our enemies. When you think out there in that desert wilderness place, I mean, how many thousands of people did Moses have to feed? He didn't have to. The Lord did it. The Lord provided They were all looking to the Lord. From Moses all the way down to the bottom, they were looking to the Lord. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. You think about such a dry and arid place. Teresa has dry skin. She's continually going to the moisturizer. You know, it hurts. If not, skin becomes dry, cracked, can become, can bleed, you know, even. Um, I, I didn't know anything about that until these latter years of my life. The doctor says you've developed eczema late in life. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, come to find out it was a medication that I was taking that was just destroying things from the inside, you know, out. Uh, I still have a little trouble, but not like I did. My fingers would crack open and bleed, you know. But what felt good? You know, put some medication on it. Wrap it in, in a Band-Aid, you know. Bind it up. Um, well... You think about this oil. I mean, if your face was all cracked and we know what it's like for our lips, don't we? We know what it's like for our lips to become chapped and for them to get cracked and they start to bleed. It hurts. To have oil to anoint us with, anoint your face with, your head with, um, something that has some moisture in it in such a dry place. Well, spiritually speaking, This goes back to that restoring idea. 
You think about how the all restores, right? We have this restoring idea. The shepherd comforting, invigorating, setting a table before us in a place where you wouldn't expect to find a table, right? In the presence of your enemies. Those, those whose greatest pleasure, the, devil, the, the, the devil's greatest pleasure is your harm, is your suffering. That's his pleasure. You know, it must aggravate him to no end for the Lord to take care of you, provide for you, restore you. He must have complained about Job's hedge, right? He did, didn't he? You got a hedge about him. Our heads are anointed with oil. It made me think about the helmet of salvation. I mean, here's this, sal- this helmet of salvation and the renewing of the mind, the restoring of the mind, this anointing of the head with oil, you know, this reviving of our hearts, even being, while we're being surrounded by our foes who threaten us. Remember the prophet who told his servant, there are more with us than there are with them. They were surrounded. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And he saw angels flaming all about the army that had encircled them. They were encircled. Our cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall, I might get through this, shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you're probably saying, yeah, at our expense. <laughs> at our expense. Exodus thirty-three nineteen says, I will make my goodness. Brother JT read this to us. Pass before thee. How much of God's goodness and loving kindness have you seen pass before you? Now, I, I got my wife back. No, I didn't leave her. She tried to leave me. I didn't leave her. She was sick. And there were people praying the Lord would restore it. He did. He did. How many times have you prayed when you were sick? Lord, help. This, this is awful. You know, I mean, even I hear some of you with some sinus things. It, isn't it, don't you, aren't you glad when you can breathe? You know, and not being able to breathe when you're all stopped up doesn't make you thankful for when you can. Uh, we wouldn't be thanking the Lord for being able to breathe if we didn't get into a place where we couldn't. Uh, we'd forget. What a, what, a, what a blessing it is just to be able to draw in a lung full of air when there are people who have things like COPD and it feels like an elephant sitting on their chest, you know. Surely goodness and mercy. The Lord says, I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy and be gracious unto, unto whom I will be gracious. I will cause all my goodness to pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Isn't that good? When we come here and, and, and the word of God is proclaimed and the Lord is proclaiming himself. Christ is being proclaimed. We sing those hymns and Christ is being proclaimed. Isn't that good? God's goodness passing before us. Christ alone. Our salvation. Sir? Yes, yes. Uh, a foretaste of what's to come. Uh, isn't it wonderful? You think about goodness, it's what God determines to be good. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, and I'm not trying to be cruel. I've already told you that God has set the date of our death. 
And the Lord could have taken my wife during those days. And I could have had just Andrew and, and, and Rebecca to raise by myself without her. I know I wouldn't have been by myself. You know, here, here's somebody here who, who would have done anything, you know, to help. And, and parents over there that would have, and, and you all here, you know, what you wouldn't have done, you know, to help. Um, but Sister Pat, the Lord determined to take your beloved from you and how that could seem to be good unto us but God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways and he has a purpose in it and I know with all your heart you would wish that he was sitting beside you right now you know but the Lord's enough in whatever we go through and if he had taken Teresa he would have been enough he would have been enough he is enough and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. The Lord's with Sister Pat. Is she alone sometimes in her house with not a physical other person? Yes. But she's not alone. The Lord's there. You know, though everybody else forsake us, the Lord still abides faithful with us. I mean, how... How, sister, am I going to pay the light bill next month? Where's the grocery money going to come from? Has the Lord ever not provided? He's always provided. Will he not yet provide? Oh, I know. I know we all get to that place where we're, we're, we're like, what? I mean, what, what, what are we going to do? You know, how, how are we going to make it? You know, how are we going to make ends meet? Has the Lord ever failed you? Even once, has he ever failed you? Has the Lord ever forgotten you? Even once, has he forgotten you? Have you forgotten him? Have you failed him? Oh, we have, haven't we? But has he ever failed or forgotten us? No, no. Will he? Can he? Could he? No, he couldn't. You're his. He'll not fail you. He's promised. It's again, it's that key I was telling Shalom about a while ago. Reminding him about that key of promise that got stuck in that outer door in the courtyard of, of giant despair's castle. And they put all their weight upon it. And it turned lock. And when he first took it out of his pocket, if you remember the story, there were different sized locks from the jail cell all the way out to the outer courtyard. And he pulls it out of his pocket, and his companion's like, that key's too small for that lock. And he says, but wait, the promise that God's made, it, it, it grows to the size that it needs to. If it needs to be here in a smaller lock, or it needs to be over there in a great bigger lock, you know, it'll grow to the size that it needs to. You know, his, his promises aren't going to fail. So we find ourselves in a small situation where to cast all of our cares. doesn't matter how small or how great they are. You know, if it's a great thing or a small thing, his promise abides. He abides faithful. His promises are sure because he abides faithful. He abides faithful. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So it's what God deems to be goodness. Surely goodness shall follow me. It's what God calls goodness. It may not be what we would have chosen for ourselves, but it's what God has chosen for us. What God has chosen for us. What seems good in his sight don't we have some that things happen to in Scripture that says, whatever seems good in thy sight. 
Remember David having to choose from three things because he had numbered the people and sinned against the Lord? And God says, choose from these things, these three. And David says, Lord, you're merciful. I'm going to fall upon your goodness. You choose. You choose. I can't choose. Surely goodness and mercy, loving kindness, God's kindness shall follow us all the days of our lives. Here's that passage. You, you read it in Jeremiah 31. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Before you appeared, he had loved you. It, it, it's what it says, isn't it? It's an everlasting love. Before my parents were ever married, b b before they were born, you know, before Adam was, I mean, it says everlasting. Everlasting. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee through thick and thin every extremity of life. The Lord's there. Loving. The Lord's there. Goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our life, even when we come to death. Doesn't fall short there. It doesn't say goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of, of, of my life and that's it. You know, and when, when I come to die and there's no more life, then it's over. No, it says then after that, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy still there, still there, still following. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. How about Romans 8? I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able. What's going to prevent his goodness and his mercy? Nothing, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. So David's saying Christ is sufficient, isn't he? He's sufficient, comforting, encouraging, leading, guiding, protecting, providing, sustaining, and keeping us. He's our peace. He's our rest. He's that that David was saying, the Lord's with me. That's why I'm not afraid. We'll never like anything that we truly need. Nothing. Nothing. The protector, provider, and restorer of our souls. No wonder the psalmist says in Psalm 62, verse 8, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. He's a refuge for us. You're right where you need to be. He's keeping you. He, he has you right where he would have you. Is it difficult where you are right now? It's difficult where I am right now. Are you going through a hard time? Yeah, I can understand that. But nothing's too hard for the Lord. I mean, if we all lost our jobs tomorrow, is that anything to the Lord? You know, 
If, if our country was attacked tomorrow and, and, and all the infrastructure was destroyed, I mean, it's not 18 wheelers and train cars and planes and things flying everywhere, taking things all over the place and the groceries in the grocery store. How long would that last? I mean, what's there right now? How long would that last? It'd be gone. I mean, we've seen it when hurricanes have come, right? I mean, things fly off the shelf. It's gone. If everything's gone tomorrow, what do you have to fear? Those things are nothing to the Lord. He caused them to grow. He's the one that provided them anyway. What have we to fear? Well, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, we confess our great need and our dependence upon you for all things. You are good. You are merciful. You are mighty to save. You are all that we need. We pray that you'd keep us and guard us and defend us and strengthen us and lead us and provide for us in all that we do, that we might glorify your name in all that we do. Help us to live for you and unto you. And at last, even as we ended this psalm, take us to be with you forever, to our eternal rest in you, to our being with you where you are. And where at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. What more could you say? What, what more do we have to ask? What, what more could be said unto us? How gracious, how thankful we are, Father, for this goodness and this mercy that's followed us all the days of our lives, that you've loved us with an everlasting love, that you will love us with an everlasting love. What a place, what a joy, what a privilege. That, that, what, what green pasture, surely, we've been brought into. Uh, we thank you, Father, for all that you've done, all that you've given, all that you are, all that you continue to be, all that you will be unto us in ages to come. What have we to fear? Forgive us for our fear. Forgive us for our worry. For, forgive us, Father, where we have been faithless. Um, we're, we're all guilty, every single one of us. Being afraid when you've told us to fear not. Strengthen us and help us, keep us for your name's sake. In Christ's name we pray, amen.